Hi, welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a series where we're just talking about how to live the Catholic faith, how to put it into action uh, within our own families, our own daily lives. And today we have a special guest, um, Noel Mar Garcia McHugh. Uh, and uh, but before we get started, let's just start with prayer and we'll dive right into today's topic. So in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, thank you for the gift of our faith and thank you for the gift of your mother. We ask that you are with us uh, during this conversation and help us to be um, obedient to your word and receptive. And uh, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, so my name is Deanna Johnston. I'm the Director of Family Life for the St. Philip Institute, and I'm joined by my co-host. Uh, Mickey Siba, and I'm the Catechetical Specialist here at the Institute. Awesome. And today we're talking about the role of the Blessed Mother. Uh, and we have a special guest, like I said, Noel Garcia McHugh. And Noel, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am sitting in my car <laughs> <laughs> because I have five kids who all know how to unlock doors now, even the two-year-old. Um, we're expecting our sixth child in September, September 1st, Labor Day. Weekend. Congratulations. So, that's great. Thanks. And um, so my husband, David, and I, we work for the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City as the Respect Life Coordinators. So we kind of oversee and, and help support a lot of the ministries that help foster life. Um, and I travel, well, I was before quarantine, I was traveling a couple times a month and speaking at conferences and, you know, parish events and things like that, but that's kind of all on hold now. So I am excited about the opportunity to talk about the faith. <laughs> Yay. And we had invited Noelle. She came to our diocese for the women's uh, advent retreat mm -hmm. in December <clears throat> of this past year. Um, <clears throat> and I've known Noelle for a really long time, <laughs> like 16 or 17 years. And I also have my co-host, um, <laughs> Leo um, on the floor here so if you hear little baby grunts in the background um, but May is the month of our mother and tomorrow is Mother's Day um, and we thought it would be good to just talk about how Mary can help us in our own motherhood uh, and also our families but what that might look like because Mary is perfect her kid was perfect. <laughs> so how on earth can we uh, use her as a model of, of motherhood and in our own daily lives? So Noel, how do you see Mary as, as really helping us embrace that role as, as wife and mother? Sure. Well, so growing up, I mean, you, Deanna, we both grew up in Memphis, which is kind of the Bible belt. And there's a very anti-Marian, you know, sentiment in the Bible Belt um, in terms of, uh, you know, not wanting to take any glory from God. We don't want to talk about Mary because that could take glory from God. And so it took me a while, you know, even hearing about Mary, well, Mary is the perfect model of modesty and, and then feeling like, oh, well, I'm supposed to wear a veil and cover my head, you know, <laughs> head to toe. And so I was like, this is a standard I can never live up to. So I kind of rejected a relationship with Mary a little bit or shied away from it at least um, until my husband, David, uh, when we were dating, he, he suggested, maybe we were newly married. I, I don't remember the time, but he suggested to me um, in my own struggles with 
oh my gosh, I'm going to fail as a mother. I don't know if I can do this, you know, and, and then having some trouble with, you know, my relationship with my own mom at that time, we were having some difficulties. He said, why don't you ask Mary to be your mother? And I felt really weird about doing that. I went to prayer and I was like, Mary, um, so, uh, to be my mom. <laughs> I just, it was the most awkward prayer ever, but she has been with us every step of the way. And I think, you know, as Catholics, we have to shy away from this. Like she's this perfect standard way beyond us. And we just kind of look up to her and instead say, will you be my mom? Will you come into this with me? And she does. And she takes care of things just like a mom does. In fact, this week, um, I was so excited because today was the last day of the Mary undoer of knots novena. And I had been secretly praying it for my husband, David, for some of his music dreams and just some different things that he was struggling with. And it was amazing because different points throughout the week, he was like, man, I had this dream and it was very healing to me about this particular struggle that I had. And I was like, oh, Mary, high five, you know, <laughs> like she is undoing all these knots in his life or like somebody um, just really encouraged him or really supported him in, in a specific project he's working on. And, um, and it's been beautiful to say, okay, Mary's not this, this woman who God expects me to be, <laughs> you know, he's saying, take this woman into your life. She is my mom and she's your mom too. And she's going to help you um, to get to me. And so I think just that little shift in mentality in my own life and my relationship with Mary has been um, life-changing in a lot of ways that she is there taking care of the details. You know, we see that in scripture, she's kind of behind the scenes, like, Hey, Jesus go, you know, get some more wine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And she does these things sort of behind the scenes, but um, that's kind of how also she works in our life. It doesn't take glory from God. She's mo helping move out, the, you know, the things out of our way that are keeping us from giving him the glory, you know? Yeah. And one of the things is you were talking to, like when Jesus is on the cross, um, some of his last words um, are spoken to John. But in, in the scripture, it actually says the disciple whom he loved and that mm -hmm. Jesus looked at the disciple whom he loved and said, behold, your mother and told Mary, behold, your son. And I heard a priest give a great talk that the author probably specifically didn't mention the name. And that we can be the disciple with whom he loved, giving us his mother. And that really struck a chord with me that it is, it is Jesus's desire that we take her as our mother, as our spiritual mother. And I just thought that was so powerful. And for me, it turned into like, I need a relationship with her. Um, not only because she can teach me all of these things, but Jesus wants me to have a relationship with her and how important it is to try to sort of forge forward in relating to Mary and bringing in her into our lives. Right. And it's not, you know, just what you were saying made me think too, you know, Jesus came, yes, to save us from our sins, but also to draw us into family. And so that kind of last moment of, you know, his gift in his dying breath, he could have said so many things, you know, but instead he's like, here's your mom, you know, here's your mother. And, um, and he had spoken so many times, we are his children and we've got to become like children to enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and, you know, we have a father. And, and so it's not, it's yes, saving us from, from sin and saving us from, you know, the consequences of sin, but also it's drawing us into his family. And that I think 
in our world where family is constantly, constantly under attack and we all carry different wounds from different family things, um, that, that that's a healing, um, healing our identity as part of his children and, and part of his family. Oh, I love that. That, that is beautiful. Cause that, I mean, that's really what God is. Like you said, he's calling us to, to communion, like into that Trinitarian love and that the family is a model of that. And Mary being part of Mary's not part of the Trinity. I'm not saying that but Mary part of that family dynamic within our faith. Um, that that's beautiful. And that all brings to mind. Um, I think it's St. Maximilian Colby who said, um, never be afraid of loving the blessed mother too much. You can never love her more than her son. And mm-hmm. if, if Jesus loved his, you, you know, Jesus loved his mama, like, you know, you know Jesus loves his mom and, um, that he would, that he would intentionally give her to us. Ah, like she, she she's always going to take us closer to, to Jesus. She's never going to draw us away from him, um, which is really helpful. And she's also a model of just trusting God with everything, because, you know, like looking at the annunciation that that fiat that she gives, let it be done to me according to thy word, she's surrendering and she's trusting God with everything. And it's not that God gave her a, okay, here's a play-by-play of what the next 33 years are going to look like. Um, But he invited her to trust and she said, yes. So how can, how can we learn to trust more or, or how can Mary help us to, to trust God, especially during times like these where things are a little chaotic right now, or there's a lot of unknown. Um, but yeah, just learning to walk closer to Christ or learning to, to, to surrender everything to Christ. How can Mary help us with that? Well, I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm really, really bad at trusting, so bad at losing control. And and that's another thing too, you know, and and that's taken, that has taken me a lot of time in prayer um, to be able to say, okay, yes, Mary surrendered and she trusted, but she also asked a question. And we overlook that when we talk about the Annunciation all the time, we're like, yeah, she's just like, behold, let it be done to me. And, but before that, she says, how can this be since I have no relations with a man? She's confused, you know, and she asked that question. And I think we don't have to be scared of our, that our confusion or our asking questions is a a lack of faith, you know, and, and it takes us down this path of, oh, I'm such a bad Christian because I, I'm asking this question. It's, you know, she has a heart of, I want to follow you. How am I going to do this? How is this going to happen? And then she says, okay, I accept, you know, I accept this. And, and the angel explains it to her, you know, the angel says, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come down upon you. And, um, whereas the similar thing happens with Zacchaeus or, um, Zachariah, I always say Zacchaeus when I mean Zechariah. I don't know why every single time, every single time I've given a talk about this, I always mess it up. Um, but Zechariah was, had the same question, like, you know, how can this be? Elizabeth's too old or whatever, but he asked it from a spirit of like skepticism, like, you know, and doubt his heart is full of doubt. And that's why he is mute so that he is, he has to show or, um, just be docile to the spirit. Like it's a way of making him docile to, okay, watch and see this play out. We're going to show you God's in control here. Whereas um, you contrast that with Mary who asks a question from a heart of faith. Like I want to do the right thing. I want to follow you Lord. And so I think when it comes to learning to trust and surrender, 
we can say, okay, I don't know why we lost all our jobs this summer. You know, I don't know why this happened, but okay, Lord, you know, I, I'm going to trust you, but I need you to take me by the hand and, and take me step by step in this. Um, and with Mary too, watching her as a model of our faith that she does, she's taken step by step through the process of salvation. You know, not everything happens at once. She's not told everything at once. She has the step-by-step process towards the cross, um, but then ultimately the resurrection. And I think um, when we look to that, we just see um, the simple thing that we can do in our own prayer lives is just say, you know, Mary, help me take this step-by-step. I'm not good at releasing all control at once. I'm not. Um, that's why I like Marianne Dewar of knots. It's like, okay, here's the mess that I made. Can you please fix this? You know, And then gradually she, she helps, you know, work out these knots, but she, but she does it in a way that helps you to be, um, just to take that, to let go little by little, you know, mm-hmm. like God doesn't yank everything away from us all at once a lot. Well, in, in the sense of, that you're just stranded on your own, you know, he teaches us step-by-step, like, and if we walk with him, when we experience a loss, if we walk with him, we say, okay, this hurts, help me, God, you know, we might not get our jobs back, or, you know, if, if you lost a, a child, you might not get that back, but, um, not, not in this life, but he does, um, bring that healing and peace and purpose in that situation that we can't get anywhere else, anywhere apart from him. Yeah. And, and I love to, um, one of the things, cause I really struggled with having a relationship with Mary. That was something that took me and I'm still working on it. It is an imperfect relationship because of my own failings and shortcomings. But one of the things that really helped me is, um, going through, parts in scripture where you see her, where she is mentioned and imagine myself in that scene because yes, she, um, uh, was conceived without the stain of original sin. And so she didn't have sort of those struggles in the sense that we do, you know, with, um, concupiscence and sin and temptation, but she was human. And so the emotions and, and just the real life experience. So I like to think about at the Annunciation, at the Visitation, the Nativity, when they presented Jesus in the temple and she hears Simeon and Anna speak to her. At the finding of Jesus in the temple, you know, when she couldn't find him for three days and just realizing that, yes, she was perfect and her son was perfect, but she lived through very imperfect circumstances. And she watched her son die. She held him in her arms. Um, and so all of those uh, emotions and just what life brings, she dealt with all of that. And what we learned from her is the manner in which she dealt with crisis. I mean, she went through, she had to flee her home um, when Jesus was born. Like she was a refugee, you know, flee, her family, were they were uprooted and I'm sure confusion and chaos. And so for me, I like to, to picture, and I know that how I would have felt in those moments isn't how she would have felt, but, um, but she did experience, um, 
really imperfect and tragic and sorrowful and joyful experiences that life brings. And that has been something that has been really helpful in really looking at scripture where she's mentioned and just, okay, let me just, let me try to take myself there. What would that experience have been like? And it's helped me connect with her on a human level because all of these other things, like being the mother of God, can't relate. <laughs> you know, <laughs> having a perfect, perfect kid, kid. <laughs> can't relate. But um, but watching watching your child be come into the world, I can relate. Um, how when you found out that you were pregnant, right? The enunciation of your child, I can relate. Um, and I know she watched her son carry the cross and I haven't watched my kids suffer to that extreme, not even close. They're still small, but she knows what it's like to stand by and have to watch her kid accomplish God's will. Mm. Uh, and so that's been something that's been helpful. Those are the things that I, uh, that I can relate to and it's helped learning to trust that she knows what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She knows what you're going through, but she's also intimately concerned about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And right now, I think as a church, we're experiencing something that we have. Well, I guess I, I should say in the 21st century, I don't think we've ever experienced this type of like chaos or this absence from the Eucharist and praise God that, you know, slowly but surely we're, we're seeing this return to mass. But for a lot of us, we've been away from public mass for months. Like, I think this is the longest that our family has, has gone without um, receiving the Eucharist. And it's a very weird time. And um, I know a lot of folks have really struggled with that. There's a lot of pain and, and we're kind of seeing that come out in different ways. If you're on social media at all, <laughs> you you kind of see this dialogue coming out. But it, it does make me wonder, like, how can Mary accompany us during this time where there is either we're away from the Eucharist or our prayer lives have changed? Um, not really sure what following Christ looks like if I can't go to mass, uh, but how can she walk with us or, or just draw us closer to our son within these crazy times? Yeah. So we have, um, we've struggled a little bit, you know, with the whole idea of, is it a lack of faith that we're not going to mass and we're not demanding um, that we have the Eucharist and, Mm. you know, David and I, my husband, David, we have been praying a lot about this. And what we, we have come to is first of all, a mark of the saint is obedience to the church, right? So if we are obedient to the church, there's going to be grace in that. There's going to be so much grace in that. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, we, if we believe that God is all powerful, that he could heal coronavirus, if we all showed up at mass, um, we also believe that he is working in this, this kind of fast from his body and blood. Mm. We believe that he, he's still just as powerful. Mm. Um, and that there's a purpose for why, you know, every, every Bishop that I know has prayed a lot about this. They don't take this decision lightly to, to try to, um, you know, keep people healthy there, you know, the, and, and, right. and 
so the Holy Spirit is definitely working this. So that's two of the things that we came to. But then the third thing was there were times in scripture where Jesus removed himself from the people that loved him the most. There's when Jesus was lost in the temple and Mary for three days, she's without Jesus. And that's the only time in scripture, actually, that G- that Mary is referred to as being anxious. She says, you know, your father and I were anxious. We couldn't find you. And um, you know, you think about all the other times leading up to that, that she could, that she could and should have been anxious, <laughs> you know, um, but she, you know, uh, had Jesus with her. Um, so this time, this short period of time where he's lost in the temple, um, where she's apart from him, she's anxious. Then there's the 40 days, you know, here and there that he spent in the desert away from everybody that loved him. Um, and then there was also, you know, when he's in the tomb again three days in the tomb, she's without him. And so this isn't something that what we're going through in this fast from Jesus's body and blood in the Eucharist is not something that Mary herself didn't go through. Mary went through this too, and she understands our feelings and our longing. But at the same time, she didn't stop searching. She didn't throw a big fit about, oh, how dare you, son, leave me, you know, um, <laughs> no, never, ever do that again. I, but she was faithful to something is going on maybe more than I am fully capable of understanding right now, mm-hmm. but I'm going to trust. I'm going to look for him. I'm going to seek him. Um, I'm going to grieve him, um, but I'm going to keep that journey towards him. And, and I think that right now, that's where I found myself spiritually is this kind of grief, you know, and then there's also this longing but there's also been in my own life, just a purge of all the lukewarmness, you know, not taking him being near and always accessible for granted um, in his Eucharistic presence. But it's been in this, just, do you know what you have? Do you know the gift that is the mass, you know, and even our own children, as we were going to a parking lot mass for a little while and just watching it online in our car and because we couldn't see where we were parked. Um, but so we'd watch it online, but at least we were there, you know, it felt kind of cool to be there. Um, but even our oldest kids who were always fighting with to get to go to church, you know, like we work for the church. We're supposed to be happy about going to church. Um, and they were like, man, mom, I really miss receiving Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? So God is very powerfully working in, in our lives. And I think that if we could get past our, these emotions that come with being apart from him and just mm. pray through that and say, Lord, what are you doing in my life through this? I think it gives us a different perspective. I think it gives us hearts of humility and obedience. Mm. Um, and then it also helps us to see what is he, what is he doing in all of this? Yes. And then hopefully when we come back, it will be like a resurrection feast. Yes. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's, and for some reason, when you were describing that, the image that keeps coming to mind is um, the scene from the Passion of the Christ. And I know we talked about this in the um, Seven Sorrows of Mary podcast, but in the Passion of the Christ movie, there's a scene where uh, Mary has an opportunity to run to Jesus while he is on his way to Calvary carrying the cross. And she hesitates for a minute. And John is like, we got to go. If you want to see him, we got to go right now. And you see this flashback to when Jesus falls down as a little boy. It's that scene that just makes everybody cry every time in the whole movie. But that scene in particular, especially as a mom, really gets me. But she runs to Jesus and she says, I'm here. And 
I, I probably won't articulate this very well, but just the idea that that is an example of, in a moment of suffering, Mary embracing the cross. And it's almost like this whole experience right now with, with what's going on, we have this opportunity to embrace the cross with Jesus in a way that we have probably never been asked to do before. Um, and it, it is very easy to hesitate and just say like, eh, just gonna <laughs> either step back and complain or just not worry about it or stay lukewarm. Um, but it, perhaps it is an opportunity to model that. And even in scripture, I mean, movie aside, but looking at scripture and knowing that Mary was there at the foot of the cross with Jesus, she didn't go anywhere. She was with him to the end and that we have an opportunity to unite ourselves to that cross, that whole passion in a deeper way. Yes, Lent ended and we're in the Easter season, but we are still kind of waiting for that resurrection joy. Like it yeah. kind of felt like we we continued into second Lent in some ways. <laughs> but but yeah, maybe God is giving us this opportunity to just really like, are you gonna stay at the, are you gonna stay at the cross? Are you gonna and and Mary can help us with that. And yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Nikki. I was just going to say, like, and many times in scripture, when it talks about um, these moments that Mary has, it says that she pondered these things in her heart. Mm. And that came to mind when you said that she doesn't stop searching for Jesus, right? And that Mm -hmm. uh, we can use that, that she she took these things that were happening in her life and she pondered them. She brought them to God. She thought about, meditated, contemplated, you know, what are we doing in these moments as well? You know, are we pondering? Are we prayerfully approaching and and really kind of doing an honest workup of this is what I'm experiencing, this is what's happening to me and my family, or this is what's happening to the people around me? And we bring that. We sit in it and we bring it to God and we ponder and we pray. Um, I think Mary is just a perfect model of of doing that. And there's, and, and I do think her moments of pondering make it possible for her to be at the foot of the cross to experience the most painful thing any mother would ever have to go through, you know, and, um, that throughout our lives, we are going to be called through our experiences to draw deeper to the heart of Christ, because there's nothing that we, my husband says this all the time. There's nothing that we receive that first doesn't pass through the hands of God. Mm-hmm. Not that he directly wills it, but if he if it's if he's allowing it to happen, he will work good in it. That there's nothing that we get that first doesn't pass through his hands. And it's always for our good, our spiritual good, um our soul good, you know. Yeah. Well, and it's like I think in our culture we're so used to getting what we want when we want it. You know, like mm-hmm. Amazon, I can have it shipped, you know, yep. tomorrow, <laughs> whatever. Yep. <laughs> Everything we want is instant. And I think, you know, this reminds us that the Eucharist is a gift, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I had a friend who was telling me the story as she was in the hospital um, and she asked for the Eucharist. And uh, this was a while ago. And um, somebody came and brought her some crackers and some grape juice. And she was like, snack. I don't want to snack. <laughs> You know, like, I give me a Catholic priest. I, I need the Eucharist, you know? <laughs> and it was so funny, but like, oh. you know, we tend to emphasize so many things like the church environment or the, the music or the preaching and things like yeah. that. And we've been able to access a lot of that still 
through online, but what we haven't been able to receive is the Eucharist. And I think that God's kind of showing us, you know, like every, when everything is stripped away, you know, it's, it's him that we're longing for. It's not the music. It's not the preaching. It's not, although all those things enhance worship and I'm a church musician to myself. So I'm not disregarding that any of that is important, is not important to worship. But what I'm saying is like, he's stirring up within us, like removing all of the, the extra, the fancy, and we're getting down to the bare bones of like, what, who do you long for? Mm. You long for me, you know? And we forget sometimes that, that that's a gift, a yes. gift that he gives us. We're not entitled to it. Um, we, he, he freely gives of himself. So. Oh, I love that. And Mary, Mary understood that gift, understands that gift and she can help us to, to deepen our appreciation of it. So I know at the beginning of this conversation, you, you mentioned how you learned how to ask Mary to be your own mother. And that sounds like a really good starting place. Um, I don't know if I've ever had that conversation with the blessed mother, like just be, be a mom to me, um, that that can be a really powerful thing, but Practically speaking, what else would you recommend uh, that folks do, or especially within our own families, to to really begin maybe walking a little bit closer with our our lady, um, so that she can draw us closer to her son? Like, what would that? What might that look like? Um, so we we actually um, have encouraged our kids to see Mary. You know, this is your mom, and in fact, it's so funny because if we'll be driving somewhere um, and I'm trying to keep the kids from fighting or something, we'll do like little question and answer things and stuff. And so one day I was like, Hey guys, who's the best mom in the world? And they're like, Mary, <laughs> dang it guys. Or like, who's the, who's the prettiest mom in the world? Mary. <laughs> one, right. time I came third place. one of my friends was second place. Um, so, you know, um, but just that kind of thing. Like, uh, just teaching them she's your mom guys yeah. you know she's your mom and and I think that that so I always have this fear of when I'm traveling that what if I you know die in a plane crash or something like that I always have that fear and it's not for nothing we were in an emergency plane landing one time That's so a it's, it's a valid fear <laughs> yeah. um but I, so I always have this kind of deep-seated fear and um just it's a comfort to me to, to know that they know they have a mom that's always going to be there for them. Even if I can't be, or even if I fail at it, you know, that they always have this mom. So we talk about, you know, she's your mom and God's your father and he loves you so much and trying to emphasize God's love. And, um, and we pray the rosary. We've been doing it with our archdiocesan respect life page. We've been having different families and different people lead every single night at eight o'clock. So it holds us accountable. We have, cause you know, we have to monitor the page. So we have to do this anyway, but then also our kids love seeing other little kids praying the rosary too, you know, and how silly they, they can be sometimes. And we have one, um, I posted it on my Facebook page, but where we're, we're doing the rosary and Diego, my four-year-old is screaming, Holy Mary, full of grace. And I'm trying to like help him do the right words. So I'm whispering in his ear, like, hail Mary, hail Mary. And then he just puts his hand up. I got it, mom. And then one of the kids is flipping the light on and off and on and off. And then the iPad falls off the table and we're just like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they are definitely in my mind when I got married, I imagined like, 
quiet, peaceful children yes. on their knees. Yes. Rosary, you know? Isn't that how it's supposed to work? <laughs> we do not have that at all. We fight through prayer sometimes. And sometimes we only get through a decade and I'm like, go to bed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I will say that praying with other families has, has been a huge blessing because the kids like to see that other kids are praying mm. too, you know? Mm, yeah. So oh, I love that. And that their parents get mad at them too. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's very comforting to see like, okay, it's not just at my house. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> there are other human families too. Yeah. <laughs> or you like, you watch us and you're like, woo, we're doing a lot better. <laughs> I think Deanna has said this one. She's like, we're just so human. It's just so human. <laughs> yes. And, um, and I think, and I think sometimes our fear of maybe doing, cause we struggled with this too, our fear of praying the rosary. Cause like for adults, hopefully we pray cause we want to be meditative and to really think. And then like, wow, I don't know if the kids are going to be able to do that. And there's, there's fear, this hesitancy to even, to even go there, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be pretty. And it's going right. to be hard, but there's also been really beautiful moments where the kids are like, like, they're like, we're still going to pray our family rosary. Right. And that's beautiful. Like we've, mm-hmm. we've done it every day. And sometimes like when the day is just like super busy or we're exhausted, we'll still pray it in their rooms and they crave, um, that time. Uh, even though it's not always peaceful, their little hearts, just like ours crave that, that unity together and then also with our heavenly family, our heavenly mama. Um, and, and I think just learning that, especially when they're young, um, is just setting them up for really building a more positive relationship. Um, but it's, it's hard and it can get (laughs) messy, messy, (laughs) (laughs) but God wants our mess. And I have to think that when we're sitting there praying with our kids and, there might be screaming or gnashing of teeth um, that, that our blessed mother is just smiling with us through that. Yeah. <laughs> like, that she, that she knows, sure. Her toddler may have been perfect, but she, she can, she wants to draw us closer to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we even make an effort. And I mean, I say this to myself more than anyone, like I can't be afraid to, to try introducing my kids to these different devotions, especially to our, to our lady, because I'm worried about it not being perfect. Like mm-hmm. God, God wants all of us always. And I mean, of, of anyone who's going to be understanding, I think it's going to be his mom <laughs> as we, as we try to draw our kids closer to holy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he, and the Lord speaks to our kids too. Yes. You know, when we, we have had some really profound moments of where our kids say something to us and you know, it's straight from the Holy spirit. You know, most of the time we're like Satan, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like my son, we were, so we're having another boy. We, so we all have five boys and one girl. That's awesome. Heaven help us. We've got to get a couple points out of this. Um, But our, our oldest son comes out of his room in the morning and he says to me, um, before we found out what we were having, he goes, mom, I had a dream and God told me it's a boy. And he's totally confident in this. He's not like, you're going to think this is weird, you know, that I'm telling you this, that I could be wrong, but he's just like, yeah, it's going to be a boy. God told me in my dream, you know? Wow. And then my six-year-old Elias, he is my, my math kid. Everything is black and white to him. So like 
he'll, he'll tell me, you know, mom, can I have a muffin? No, half, no, a quarter, no, you know, <laughs> very logical and black and white. And he said to me one night, he goes, mom, I don't know if God is real. And I said, well, why don't you ask him to show you that he's real? And he's like, okay, God, show me that you're real. Didn't see him. He's not real. You know? And so I said, honey, just keep praying. God will show you. Just keep praying. God, please show me that you're real. And then like a few weeks later, I was tucking him into bed and he goes, oh, mom, I forgot to tell you. I know God is real because he showed me himself and he said, hey, Elias, I'm real. <laughs> and of course, it's out of the mouth of a kid. But for him, I know my kid. And for him, this was something that really happened for him. And so hearing him say it back just kind of re- um, reignited my own faith a little bit there too you know so I think when we introduce them to these devotions and we introduce them to that God is part of our family we're part of his family um then they start to talk about God and and Mary like they are people you know living in our house Yes. Oh, this has been so awesome. <laughs> no, <Yeah. Paul. laughs> we have to bring you back to the diocese. At yes. Some point. But where can people find you online? Oh, I thought you were like in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, you can visit my website, mqministries.net, um, mqministries.net. And then um, also I have a Facebook page and an Instagram, Dewell Garcia. So very good. Yeah. And you are the CD of the month, I think, for the St. Augustine. Institute. Yeah, for the talk I gave at your in your diocese. Oh, so, so good. So be sure to check that out. I know um, the new series that's out with uh, the Augustine Institute. Uh, is it The Search? The Search, yeah. um, You popped up on my screen for episode one, and I was so excited. <laughs> like, that's my friend. <laughs> I was so nervous to watch that. So nervous. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, my hair and my makeup. And you look stunning. I was really having a rough one. <laughs> no, it was, it's stunning. So be sure to check okay. that out. Um, but yeah, it's, this has been really, really helpful. Yeah, and um, speaking of the Blessed Mother, uh, as far as the St. Philip Institute, um, I think I, I'm going to try to share my screen <laughs> to make sure this works. Um, but we've been blessed with a lot of really great artwork we have an art fellow um can y'all see that yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we'll see yep. if it shows up on the recording um but the image of the madonna of the roses um is an original um and then the pieta images like this can be really helpful um to to just have in our homes or to reflect on um but and I think we even have like little prayer cards. These are the big canvas prints, but if that's something that would draw you closer to prayer, for sure, that's that's something uh, to check out. Um, Mickey, what else? Can you tell so, the um, yeah, um, so we also have done a few um, podcasts about Mary as well. So we did one on the Annunciation. We did one on the Seven Sorrows of Mary, which was actually one of my personal favorite, Deanna, mm -hmm. that I did with you. Um, so, and I know that there's some articles that we have, uh, our executive director, Dr. Tresankos wrote one about Mary's, um, obedience. And so we do have a lot of Marian resources, but we just have a lot of other resources on our website. So I encourage you that if you haven't, um, checked out the St. Philip Institute.org website, that you do that and just go look at everything that we have and the resources that we have. We also have like catechetical materials that we've made, um, that people can purchase, um, 
a great one for adults called The Way of Christ, one for teens called The Way of Christ for Teens, uh, Baptism Formation that we've done, and that one walks through um, uh, like a post-baptism Lexio Divina series, and it focuses on the Holy Family, and so you get to see these moments in Scripture where Mary pops up with Jesus and Joseph, you know, um, at the beginning of their little earthly lives together. Um, but yeah, we just have a lot of great resources, and we also want to hear from our audience. So as Deanna and I continue these little Life Beyond the Chariot series and bring in special guests, we'd like to know if there's anything that you would specifically like us to address, but also for our podcast. Um, I know they're also trying to bring in speakers as well, so if there's anything, again, any topic that you'd like to hear, we want to hear from you. Um, so you can email us at podcast at stphilipinstitute.org. Check out the website. If you really like the work that we're doing, um, please assist us with your prayers. Um, if you feel called to assist us with, you know, monetary donations, we'll take that too. But we really just exist to bring the teachings of Jesus into our homes and into our families. So awesome. please check us out. Noel, thank you again for your time and your witness and happy Mother's Day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Noel. You're welcome. Bye, guys. <laughs>